Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. And uh, I just got to grab a box over here, which is actually filled. Is, it, is there anyone that's into Lego? Where are the Lego buffs? Like, apparently, apparently, oh, that makes sense. Uh, apparently, apparently, like you can make a whole career out of just building Lego. Who would have thought? This is, this is a box full of Lego and just, just for the sake of um, not undoing and messing up my message because it hinges on this box of Lego actually, uh, let's just say that within that box of Lego is a complete Lego um, building. You can tell that I'm not into Lego. Hey? It's a city, it's a city made out of Lego. And uh, after much research online, because I wanted to kind of educate myself on Lego, I discovered that it is possible to grab that entire box of Lego, put it into my wife's washing machine or our washing machine. (laughs) Our washing machine. Put it into our washing machine, the one that we both use from time to time. Uh, and, And set it on a cycle. Put all the Lego in, shut the door, set it on a cycle. In fact, many cycles. And eventually after, it goes through cycle after cycle and stops. Eventually, if I put it through enough cycles, at the end of the last cycle that is required, I will open the door and be able to pull out a fully formed, perfectly set Lego city. How many believers do we have in the room? Zero. It's interesting that. We'll come back to that in a moment. Let's go to the Bible. Uh, I want to talk about the series called Created on Purpose. And today I, I want to talk to you about the life you create. The life you create. And to, and to look at that, we're going to go back to the beginning in the book of Genesis to look at that. But in many ways, when you look at your Bible, when you read your Bible, it, it is a story of two gardens, the Garden of Eden and the Garden of Gethsemane. In, in that, the Garden of Eden is God's original plan and the Garden of Gethsemane is God's redemptive plan. In Eden, the first Adam committed high treason, meaning he was attempting to help the enemy take control of God's country, initiating a war against the governing authority, God. Handing his authority, authority over to the God of this world, the devil, took full advantage plunging our world into chaos. In Gethsemane, the last Adam, Jesus, took on the armies of heaven and re-established the Kingdom of God here on earth. I know many of us don't get the time to study our Bible from Genesis to Revelation in the detail that it requires and with the respect it deserves But I'm going to try and give you a bit of an overview this morning. You must first understand that when Adam fell in the garden, he committed high treason. The authority that was given to him to govern the earth, he handed over to the enemy because he believed the enemy's word above God's word. And when Jesus came to the earth in the, in the expanse of time and history in God's plan, God sent Jesus to the earth as the last Adam. And as the last Adam, he came to the earth and ended up in a garden called Gethsemane prior to going to the cross. And in a moment in Gethsemane, he said to the Father, Father, if this cup could pass 
from me. Let it be. Nevertheless, somebody say nevertheless. <laughs> say it like they can hear it online. Say nevertheless. nevertheless. He said, nevertheless, your will be done. And in that, Jesus was saying, I will go after your purpose. I don't really want to go through this thing, but I will go after your purpose. In Eden, the devil took Adam to a tree that led to death. In Gethsemane, God took Jesus to a tree that led to life. It's interesting when you look at the story in Genesis that once sin came into the Garden of Eden, God took Adam and Eve out of the garden, out of paradise and put angels with flaming swords to guard over it so that they could not partake of the tree of life. In fact, your Bible is a lot about gardens and trees. You see, because if Adam and Eve had have partaken of the tree of life, they would have accepted eternal life, but with the stain of the knowledge of good and evil. Are you with me? So it's with those thoughts in mind, as a backdrop, we look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 this morning. This is how it reads. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. As the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters, then God said, let there be light and there was light. Let's pray. Father, thank You this morning that in the moments I have that God, I would be able to articulate Your Word in a way that would bring understanding and insight to every single person under the sound of my voice, those online and in room, in Jesus' Name. i got to read it again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Verse 2 mentions the Holy Spirit hovering. Some translations say over the face of the deep, over the waters of the deep, over the deep waters. And it's interesting when you look at that and your life in Christ to recognise that your physical body, we are told, is made of up to 60% water. Your blood is up to 90% water. Your brain and heart, sorry guys, 73% water. Muscles and kidney, 79% water. Your lungs, 83% water. Your skin, 64%. Even your bones, made up of 31% water. I mention that because I believe that throughout your journey in God, and especially today, that the Holy Spirit is hovering over your waters. That the Holy Spirit hovers to empower. That the Holy Spirit hovers over you so that He can do the creative thing that God designed for your life. God works through the book of Genesis in this, in this account, you see the seven days of creation unfold. And I, I wanna slip past it, but I, I don't wanna miss the detail that's contained. We just read verses one to three. From verses four through to 25, you discover that God first, in, when He goes into creation mode, the first thing He does is create a separation between light 
and darkness. And in the natural, when God said, let there be light, there was in the natural light. But the spiritual truth behind light and darkness is light means divine order. And darkness means chaos. Where the Scripture says that the, that the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep, it literally says that chaos covered the deep. And so when you come into Christ and you recognise that you're coming into a kingdom of light and leaving a kingdom of darkness, one of the things that you are leaving is chaos so that you can come into divine order. And when you look at the Genesis account, when you look at the fact that He formed Adam out of the dust of the earth, that He formed the animals out of the dust of the earth, God always starts first with structure before He releases His Spirit. He forms Adam out of the dust of the earth. He goes into the detail, so much detail that when He's finished, God can breathe into the nostrils of Adam. Like imagine that first CPR moment in history where there is God breathing into the nostrils of Adam. And the Bible says He becomes a living being. We've got to understand in our pursuit and passion and zeal in God, especially as Spirit-filled Christians, that God always works with structure. He works first with structure. He puts a structure together and then He breathes in and brings light. So there's a separation theology that starts out where He separates divine order from chaos. And here's, an, here's a note for you. If you wanna get more of God into your everyday life, put more divine order in your life. You know, it doesn't get any more complicated than just making sure that you're clean, you clean the car out, that the cupboards are in order, that things, that, that clothes aren't just thrown on the bed. Now, I'm not having a shot at anyone, but actually reality is that God works with order and structure. That went down really well. That was a popular, all of those comments online, all those love hearts flipping up, I can just see them. Thumbs up. Verse 4 to 25, you see light and darkness getting separated. God putting distance between water and space, water above the earth and water on the earth. On day three, we see land, water and vegetation created. The sun and moon are put in place on day four and we get a solar system. Actually, God works with structure. He works with systems. He works with strategy. Then He releases His Spirit. And on day five, we see sea creatures and every sort of bird of the air created. And on day six, His most magnificent work, according to God Himself, on day six, he creates all the animals that creep upon the earth, but He creates His most prized creation, human beings. And the Bible says at the end of those six days of creation, God rested from His work because it was good. I don't know about you, but there's nothing more satisfying than going to work on a five or six day week basis and coming home on the last day and looking back over what you've done across the week and going, it was a good week. And God sits down on the seventh day and rests from His creation because He looked back on everything that He had made and said, it is good. God created the structures, the structure of the earth, the solar and ecosystems, and then He breathed into the life of Adam. Remember the, what is that stuff called? Lego, 
box. Story at the beginning. Here's what we've got to understand. Our faith has a solid foundation of creation revelation. We do not carry, we cannot carry a solid faith in Christ with an evolution theory. It's founded on the revelation of creation. When God gets to His prized possession here in verse 26, this is the verse I wanna read to you. God says this, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male, structure. Female, He created them. Verse 28, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. We're looking at this whole theme of created on purpose because we understand from Bible texts that God blesses you with purpose through the empowerment of His Spirit. And when you come into an understanding of God's purpose in your life, everything around you will change. So here's just some simple thoughts today based around the fact that you are creating your own life. The life that you are living, you are actually creating yourself. That it's not created by circumstance. It's not created by your history or ethnicity. The life that you are living is being created by you. It's interesting to note that when God says, let us create man in our own image, after our own likeness, male and female, let us create them. He says, "Let the, the first thing He says after image is, they will reign. Which means to rule, to take control. There's one word that's been given a bad rap over the last 20 years, especially over the last decade, and that word is control. Can I blow the cover on it? Can I declare to you today that the word control is not a dirty word? It's not a bad word. Can I even suggest to you today that God wants you to take control of your life? He actually wants you to take control of the things that you can control. And right up front, I've got to be honest with you, I am not suggesting for any moment or in any way that you can take control of another person. In fact, you probably need to be reminded today that there's a whole bunch of things in your world that you can't control, but what you do need to do is focus on the things you can control. Control the things you can. And I'll start off on ground level, on the easy stuff. Take control of your home, your car, your personal appearance. Do that, because you can. Take control of your responses. That you can do but it's not easy. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? In fact, I think more and more, there's just more things that have come. There used to only be one or two buttons in my world. 
Now I've got a device that has about 55,000 buttons on it that wanna push me to respond in the wrong way. And so you've got to delete some button sources and some button triggers. Do you know what I'm talking about? Hello, somebody. You just got to delete them out of your world because otherwise you're going to put all of your energy into not responding the way you know you should not respond instead of into the way you can. So if we begin to control the things that we can control, you'll find that you'll come into a place of divine order. When there is chaos, there is darkness. But when there is light, there is order and order is good. Take control on your spending, on your consumption, fuel consumption. You only need a V8 if you're carrying a heavy load. If you consume like a V8, but your output is only a Prius, whatever that is, Are you with me? I talked a little bit metaphorically there for a moment. Take control of your time, your energy. But you know what? The Bible says that the most important thing that we should take control of is our tongue. This is a man that can control his tongue is powerful. Can I remind you of Proverbs 18 and verse 21 that says, the tongue can bring death or life. And those who love to talk will reap the consequences. I had to laugh because I almost cried reading it. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Know what you can't or should not control. You can't control other people. And I'm sorry, faith-filled person, you can't control the weather. You can't even control people's opinions, their beliefs or their choices, but you can take control of yours. I often have to remind people during discipleship that what other people think of you is none of your business. Because most of us believe that what other people think about us is our business. You know what? That's a very tormenting life to live. But if you can get to the place where you realise what they think is none of your business, boom, freedom. You're moving down the driveway called destiny into divine order. So the first thing, take control of the things you can. If you're gonna, if you're gonna create the life that God intended for you. The second thought is give structure to your life. Don't be so opposed to structure because God works through structure. Structure your day to have God time, morning, noon and night. And I can hear someone laughing, retorting back online going, big googly eyes. They say, you know what? (laughs) Seriously, morning, noon and night. Yeah, it doesn't take much. You can start in the morning with prayer. Whether your prayer time that is dedicated, focused and mindful. You know, it's so popular now to to operate in this thing called mindfulness. Well, I would say to every single person under the sound of my voice, start with the mindful prayers to God in the morning. Whether that's for five minutes or for 50 minutes, start there. 
Most of us think nothing about reading the news feed for 40 or five, five or 50 minutes, but then say we don't have enough time to start in prayer with God. I wanna say if you start in the morning with a mindful conversation with God and at noontime remind yourself of the Word of God and at nighttime give thanks to God in appreciation in prayer. It's just morning, noon and night. I'm not saying spend 15 hours a day. I'm just saying take the time to structure your day in a way that you start with God, you journey through the day with God and get to the end of the day and say thank you to God. Things will change. Oh, the light shall fall. Put the structure of your week into that place of rest, work, exercise, fellowship and worship. Every part is important. I don't think we should be a bunch of people that just come to church every day and worship. I really don't. I don't think revival looks like church meetings every day of the week so that we can worship every day of the week. I don't think revival looks like that. Revival looks like a community of faith, a family of faith that has rest and recovery and recreation, goes to work and earns a living. And you know, you're not a busy body if you're actually busy doing something. The busybodies have nothing to do. They have no life, so they're looking for a life, so they interfere with your life. Don't become a busybody. Hello, somebody. Get the structure of your week into that place of rest, of work, of exercise, of fellowship and of worship. You take out any component and the structure of your week doesn't look like what God is wanting to breathe on. God is wanting to breathe on you. He wants to breathe His Spirit into everything that you're doing because out of that, God creates. Take control of the things you can take control of, but give structure to your life. Structure's good. And then finally, as we come into land, allow God, I really believe God wants to breathe into you. His Spirit. You know, maybe you could take some time out led by God to just test the spirit of a thing. Test the spirit behind the atmosphere that you walk into. And as you do that, you'll recognise what's working within that zone. Because darkness has an outcome, it's called chaos. But light has an outcome, it's called order. And when you put the order of God, divine order into your home, into your children, then light is produced. If you want to know the purpose of something, take a look at the structure. When you look at a boat, Immediately you go, the purpose of that thing is for water. No one in the room would try and load a boat onto the street and then drive it up the street with no water on it. I'm trying a very careful way to say to you that God created in the beginning male and female. There shouldn't be no confusion when you look into the mirror and look at your structure as to whether you are male or female. Come on, help me. Confusion comes when darkness gets in. 
arrogance comes when it looks at the boat and says, I don't want to be a boat. I want to drive down Central Street in Rockingham, even though there's no water there. Guess what? It's not going to happen. The moment you allow darkness in, chaos enters. And so we got to be able to say to God, God, create in me, create in me a clean heart, a new heart. Can I read this Scripture to you from Psalm 51? Because more than ever, this is what we need in our world. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, let's be followers of Jesus. Listen, if you're going to follow the world, get out there and do it well. Can I just encourage you? It's one or the other, it's not both. And that's where we're at. And that's why we wrestle so much with some of these things because we want to take a part of that and a part of this and mix it all together and then wonder why we're confused. But I'm here to declare to you today that this planet showed up because there was a Creator. You know, it doesn't matter how many times I take my box of Lego home and put it in a wash cycle in the washing machine, you and I both know it's never going to come out as completed Lego masterpiece. Never. Why? Because evolution is a theory, a very bad one. It, this is what evolution says. Everything that we see is the result of billions of random cycles that produce something that we still don't know what the purpose is. But creation, revelation says this, everything that is created had a creator and He created it with a specific purpose in mind. And that's how it showed up. And I don't know about you, but I believe this. It's much easier to believe in a created revelation than it is in an evolution theory that has cycle after cycle after cycle, random cycles. Somehow, amazingly, everything was in the box that was required and we just tumbled it, tumbled it, tumbled it, tumbled it enough times and stopped at the right time for boom, a human. We can laugh in this moment because most of us have enough intelligence, thank God, to go, yeah, Claude, I'm with you. I don't always agree, but yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm there, 100%. One of the key principles in the Genesis account is that Jesus, God said a number of times, the tree shall reproduce after its kind. God placed on the inside of us a DNA to reproduce after our kind. And so if you don't want your children to grow up confused, make sure that you're giving them something to reproduce after. A solid belief in the Word of God. The reason why the Bible says to us that we train up our children in the way that they should go is because God is looking to us as His strategy I didn't get to it. I wanted to talk to you about a whole bunch of other stuff that God works with. He works with structure and strategy. And God's strategy is you. You are God's strategy. You are God's plan. You are a divine plan of God. And He's looking to you for your children and your children's children. He wants you to govern. The reason why we got so much political palaver going on today is because God designed man to govern. We just don't have, unfortunately, godly people involved like we need them. 
they are there, but somehow they're getting on detours. I'm trying to be real careful. I love every one of you online and in room. But I think some of us need to pick up our game, especially in the political arena. If we're going to call ourselves a Christian, then we should stand on it and do it. Let me pray with you. Father, thank You as we come to this last portion of Scripture that we can be reminded that the life that You've given us is one that we create with our mouth and with our surrender to You, taking control of the things You want us to take control of because we know what's coming toward the end of this journey and we trust in You for all that You've given. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.